Welcome everybody to our series, Idol of Me, and I want to say a quick welcome to all of our services happening all weekend long at our Plantation Campus. Also, welcome to uh, our East of I-75 Gateway Campus. Love you guys, East of I-75. Welcome. Yeah, come on, let's welcome everybody. So glad that you are with us for our next installment of our Idol of Me series. And this weekend in all of our services, both campuses, we're talking about the Idol of Now. The Idol of Now. Matter of fact, when you came into the service you're in this weekend, you were handed a bulletin. Inside of there uh, is a a, a card that has message notes on it where we're talking about so much of this idea of the Idol of Now. And see, the idea of this whole uh, concept this weekend is that we live in a right now culture, don't we? Like, think about it. I probably don't have to tell you that. We live in a right now culture, a culture that, that wants it your way right away. Like, it, it is, why should you have to wait? It's 60 months, you know, zero payments. Like, it's same as cash. Like, we live in a right now, hurry up, I want it immediately culture. Okay, just to illustrate this, come on. Whatever service you're in, it's true confession time. I need a show of hands. Okay, ready? Because I am guilty of this. How many of you... In the last 30 days have spoken harshly to your phone, your tablet device, or your computer when it didn't load fast enough. Come on, every servant, come on, yes, yes. 1115 Gateway, I know you're out there. I know this is you. You're an impatient bunch. I know it. Pastor Kyle's told, come on, hand, keep your hands up. It's, conf- it's church, we're confessing sin, right, or, or whatever we're confessing. Not, probably not sin, but, but frustration. That's what we're confessing. Frustration, aren't we? Yes, I'm so guilty of that. Just this week, I was in the airport in my stupid phone wouldn't load fast enough and I'm like don't make me turn you off and restart you (laughs) why because we and I did I restarted that thing and it still was slow and so I gave it to my wife and I'm like you deal with this it's unruly and intolerable not a child it's a device okay but anyway you get the point we live in a right now world don't we I mean my goodness People are sleeping on the sidewalk for days. Not because they're hungry, but because they want the new iPhone 6. Seriously? Like, you could order it online and it'll be there a few days later. Like, you could come in a month later and there'll be no line. There'll be no sleeping on cement. No, no, no. We have to have it right now. We have to have it this second. Okay, it used to, I remember a day. I remember a day in this culture, in this world, in this great nation of the U.S. of A. that we live in. When Black Friday meant something. I remember it well, I tell you. When stores were closed on Thanksgiving Day. But now, nay, they're not closed any longer. It was 5 a.m., open, and then it was 3 a.m., Then you started encroaching on the Lord's Day, Thanksgiving. (laughs) It was midnight. Then it's 10 o'clock. And now, I know it's hard to believe, some stores are open on Thanksgiving Day. Is there no love of God and country and football anymore? (sighs) All right, I'm done. Here's the point. All joking aside. We live in a world where the idol of now is real. And if we 
followers of Jesus don't learn how to address this and hit it head on, we're in danger. Matter of fact, there are three specific dangers. They're there on your notes. You can follow along and fill in the blanks with me. There are three specific dangers of the idol of now that we must fight against unless we become a prey to. Here's the first one. Number one, the, the first danger of the idol of now is that we have the ability to forfeit our future for what we want now. See, if we give in to the idol of now, we, in essence, have the ability, we run the risk of forfeiting our future for something that we have to have in the present. And all of us know people who have done this. All of us know people who had to have that new thing, that new car, that new house, that new device, that new electron, that new something. And so they, they leveraged themselves. And they went into debt and they, they, they ran up credit cards and they maxed them out or they, they ran up their credit limit, whatever that was. And, and years or months after they're done enjoying that thing or wearing that thing or, or having that thing, the, the, the joy, the shine is gone. They're still making payments. What have they done? They've leveraged their future for something that they had to, had to have, have now. Some of us have seen that happen with people financially, but some of us have seen that happen in terms of, of a friend with a spouse. And their, their spouse is no longer meeting their needs. Around here, we, in our world, we call that a midlife crisis maybe. And they, they, they say, well, that, one, that person, that woman, that man, they'll fulfill my needs, what I need now, what I want now. And in the process, they blow up a marriage or two. They blow up their kids. They blow up their family. Why? Because of the idol of now. Some of us have people in our sphere of influence, our world, that we're in relationship with who, who are leveraging their future on working 80, 90, 100 hours a week. And when you, you dare to say anything to them, their, their only response is, if I do this now for a season, then I can, can provide a better future then. All the while, they're, they're relegating their, their spouse to being a single parent. They're, they're relegating their kids to not have that parent around during some of the most critical years of their life. See, one of the dangers of the idol of now, Next Level Church, is that we have the ability to forfeit our future for something that we want now. Secondly, a danger is that it will cause us to take shortcuts to get what we believe we deserve now, write that down. Number two, it will cause us to take shortcuts to get what we believe we deserve. Now, see, oftentimes these shortcuts will force us to shortcut our standards. That we run after the now, we run after that thing, and all of a sudden we let morals, we let standards slide. Some of us know what it is to have the dilemma of, of the boss calling us in and telling us that they want us to do something that we know in our heart it's not right, that we know in our, in our head and our heart that, that this, is not, this is not ethical, that this is not right, and yet our boss hangs over us the promotion we've always dreamed of, the job we've always desired, the thing we've strived for the most, and, and in that moment there's this, this horrible feeling that comes over us where we go, I know this isn't right, I know this isn't true to what I, I want, to my morals, to my beliefs, to my heart, and yet... Apparently, this is the only way to get it. Apparently, this is the only way to, to get where it is that I want to go. See, the idol of now can tempt us to take shortcuts where we compromise our standards and our morals. Number three, a third danger is that we can miss 
process. We can miss the process, which is where God develops us. Let me slow down here for a second. See, there is a danger to this idol of now, have to have it now thing that rests in our culture and our world today. One of the greatest dangers is that we actually get what we want before we're ready for it. Ever know anybody like that? Just read the headlines. Every month, every week, we, there's, there's a new headline of, of someone who, who achieved their goal, who lived their dream, who climbed their mountain, who, who did what they ultimately always wanted to do, and yet once they got there, they couldn't handle that success. Justin Bieber, Jameis Winston, we could make a list a mile and a half long of people who, who, who got to where they wanted to go, they achieved it, but because they achieved it so fast, because they went around the process they didn't have time for their heart and their character to catch up with them. And see, here's what I want us to understand this weekend. Most of the time, most of the time, it is in the waiting period where God does his greatest work on our hearts. Don't miss that next level. Come on, you got to get that. Most of the time, it is... In the waiting period, it's when we're not there yet, when we're still on the path, when we're in process, when we're still figuring it out. Most of the time, it's in the waiting period of our journey where God does the deepest and the best work on us. See, one of the greatest dangers of the idol of now is that we... We go around that process, that we, that we try and skip the waiting period, which is the very thing that God wants to use to develop us. So that's why we have to be aware. That's why we have to be so uh, uh, on the attack concerning the idol of now. There's an amazing story, an amazing illustration of someone in the pages of the Bible which around here we believe is the word of God, who had to come face to face with the idol of now. If you have your Bible or if you have a smartphone or a tablet device with the Bible app on it, I would love for you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 because I want us to look at a story of an instance where a person, someone, had to come face to face and confront the idol of now. And as a matter of fact, the person who had to do that was Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 4 is where we're going to start. Matthew chapter 4, and if you don't have a Bible or a smartphone uh, with a Bible, that's no problem. The verses will be on the screen. You'll be able to follow along there uh, with absolute no problem. Matthew chapter 4, let me kind of set the stage for us while some of us are turning or clicking there. So Jesus is at the very beginning of his ministry. And so uh, he is, he's right around 30 years of age, and he's just getting ready to, to really step into his ministry. And so in preparation for that, he, he does 40 days of prayer and fasting. 
And so he goes out into to a deserted place, into the wilderness, all alone, and he prays and he fasts and he seeks God's face for 40 days and for 40 nights in preparation because he knows that the next three years, once he comes back in and starts his earthly ministry, that it is going to be on like Donkey Kong crazy. And so he knows in preparation of that, that I've got to get alone, I've got to get prayed up, I've got to get ready. And so where we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 4, he is, he is at the very end of that 40 days of prayer and fasting. Let's begin reading verse 1. It says this, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now, I'm no theologian, but this could be the greatest understatement in the pages of Scripture ever. Did you, hey Matthew, which is my favorite book, did you ever, did you really have to put that in there? He hadn't eaten anything for 40 days and 40 nights. Duffer was hungry. Thanks for clearing that up. We were thinking maybe he was full. This ain't Thanksgiving, bro. Verse 3. The tempter, Satan, came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Look at verse 4. Jesus answered, It is written. Now he's quoting from Scripture. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What's going on here? Okay, Jesus is at the end of his 40-day and 40-night fast. And so obviously he's hungry. And so he's coming out of that. And the tempter, Satan, the evil one, comes and tempts him with the idol of now. And there, is these, there are these stones in that part of the world that actually look like loaves of bread. And so and if, you, if you Google that, like you can actually see them. It's really, really cool. They look like loaves of bread. So Satan does the obvious, and he points at these stones that look like bread, and he says, Jesus, you got to be hungry. Man, use your power. Like if, if you're really awesome, then turn these, these stones into bread. Have it now. Don't wait to have a meal. Make a meal for yourself. Do a miracle and make a meal for yourself. Take a little shortcut here, Jesus, and have it now. But look how Jesus fought back. And the way Jesus fought back is the same three ways that you and I need to fight back against the idol of now in our lives, in our world today as well. Here's the first one. How do we keep the idol of now from infecting our lives? Here's the first one. Number one, we must allow God's word to guide our standards. We must allow God's word to guide our standards. Okay, Jesus knew that it would not be right for his hunger to drive his standards. Watch this. Was there anything wrong with Jesus doing a miracle to turn stones into bread? No. Again, he's hungry. Guy's allowed to eat. He's fulfilled his deal of what he wanted to do, 40 days, right? He felt like that's what God wanted to do. Okay, he, he did it, Right? He's about to go get something to eat. Well, what's the big deal? Like, it probably wouldn't, it, it would absolutely not have been wrong. He has miraculous power. Stones look like bread. Boom, get me some sandwiches right there. Right, like, like this is not an issue. Then why is it an issue? Here's why. Because Jesus using his own power 
to satisfy an immediate craving and not using it for the good of someone else would not have been okay. In other words, Jesus letting his hungers drive his standards was not how it was supposed to go. Jesus wanted to model for us that we are not to be driven by our hungers and our desires first. We are to be driven by our standards first. And our hungers and desires are to be submitted to those. So here's the question I have for us this weekend, Next Level. How often do we allow our hungers, our desires, to drive our standards rather than our standards driving our hungers and our desires? How often? How often? Isn't it true? Think about it. Single people in a dating relationship, we have desires, we have drives, right? And how often do we compromise those? And say, you know what, we're going to get married and so we sleep together. We move in together. Even though the word of God, the standard is, no, don't do that. Wait till you're married. But all around us in our world, it says, no, you should. It's okay. It's no big deal. And when we do, what are we doing? We're allowing our, de our desires, our hungers, to drive our standards instead of our standards driving our hungers and our desires. If we look on the internet at, at things we shouldn't be looking at, lustful images and we go places and we surf places and we say things like well it, it only affects me i'm not hurting anybody but myself what are we doing we're allowing our drives our desires to drive our standards instead of our standards driving our desires maybe it's a purchase maybe that's our thing and and there's something we want but we don't want to wait for it we want to go into debt for it what are we doing we're allowing our desires our hungers to drive our standards maybe it's a food thing for some of us and we want to eat healthy, and we want to do that, and yet when the time comes to eat, then ah, we let our desires drive our standards instead of our standards driving our desires. See, that's the temptation of the idol of now. And so Jesus understood that, and he fought against it. Here's the second area where the devil tempts him with the idol of now. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, Then the devil took him to the holy city, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Verse 6, look at what he says. If you are the son of God, like you say you are, throw yourself down, jump off. For it is written, okay, watch this. This is Satan quoting the Bible to Jesus. It is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Satan is quoting scripture to Jesus saying, listen, if you're really who you claim you are, if you're really the son of God, then take a flying leap because it says in the Bible that God's not going to let you crash and burn. You're invincible. You can do it. Look at verse 7. I love Jesus' response. Look, Jesus answered him. It's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. I love this. I love the comeback. Here's number two. Write it down. Number two, how do we fight against the idol of now? Number two, we must not over-spiritualize our desires. Now listen, if you're in this place, one of our services this weekend, and you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, number one, we're so glad you're here. Thanks for trusting us and giving us a piece of your weekend. Hopefully something is said or done or sung or communicated in some way from our team 
at either of our campuses that just lets you know that you're welcome here and that adds value to your life. That's our goal for the weekend. But let me speak to those of us who are here who are followers of Jesus, who do love God, who are trying to honor God and do what the Bible says and apply it to our life. Okay, listen, Christians, it's easy for us to over-spiritualize sometimes our desires. See, the devil was tempting Jesus to indulge in the idol of now, and Jesus used scripture to fight against it, and the devil used scripture to fight him. Okay, if you've been around Next Level for any period of time, you know that uh, I am a pastor. That's an easy one. (laughs) It's on the back of your bulletin. Secondly, though, you know that I love baseball. Like, love baseball. Okay. Well, it turns out we live in a region of the country that every March, for about 30 days, hosts two spring training teams, Major League Baseball teams, here in our town. The Boston Red Sox and the Minnesota Twins. Okay. Every spring, some of you, because you love your pastor and want to encourage this love of baseball, give me, probably not as many of you as I would prefer or like, but <laughs> many of you, so a, a couple of, a few of you, and you know who you are, <laughs> give me tickets to spring training games, which I thoroughly enjoy. Now, additionally, I don't know if you've heard or not, But I kind of have this thing where I get baseballs at baseball games. And if you've not read my article, go to my website. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I I actually did write an article on how to get a baseball at a baseball game. It's quite fascinating. Okay, last season, 2014 season, okay, I got 40 baseballs at baseball games, which is a new record for me. I know. I know. It's fun. Okay, right? Okay, so so watch this. You give me tickets to games because I'm your pastor. I go to said games. I get baseballs. It would appear that it's the Lord's will for me to watch more baseball. I'm your pastor. They came from you. You wanted to bless me, bless me with tickets. I got baseballs at the baseball game. Clearly, God wants me to have stuff when I get there. Okay, which part of this is God not totally in? Okay. It's easy for us to sit and laugh at that, at the silliness of that, right? Yet, how many of us do the same thing in areas of our life all the time? Well, I know it's going to be more hours, and I know it's going to be a ton more travel on my schedule, and I know I have small kids at home, but apparently God's opening this this opportunity for me to take this promotion. Is he? Or is he? Well, I, I know, Matt, but, but it, it, apparently, okay, it, it must be God's will. I mean, it, clearly, right? I mean, look, it, 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 clearly this looks like an open door. Yeah, but it's going to require that you go into debt further. Yeah, but it's going to require that you are gone three times more than you're gone now. Yeah, but it's going to require, okay, listen, Christians, it's easy for us to over-spiritualize our desires, And we have to be careful. We have to be careful that we're not doing that. Satan tempted Jesus 
with Scripture. Thank goodness Jesus was wise enough, discerning enough to look on and say, every good opportunity is not a God opportunity. That's the temptation of the idol of now. It's so easy for us as Christians to over-spiritualize what we want, isn't it? We have to have wisdom. We have to have wisdom in this. This is why it's so tricky, because it's so slippery sometimes. Okay, look at, look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Here's the third, the third temptation of the idol of now. Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Verse 9. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. All you got to do, Jesus, bow down. And worship me. Jesus, see all of the kingdoms of the world. All of the, You can have rulership of the whole world. And at this point in time, Satan was in control of it. It was his to give. The keys still were in Satan's hand. And he says, Jesus, that whole cross thing, you don't have to do that. All that pain, all that process, all that hard work, all that death on the cross, all of that whole thing. We don't have to go through any of that. I offer you a shortcut. All you have to do bow down and worship me you can have rulership and dominion over the whole world verse 10 jesus said to him away from me satan for it is written look at this worship the lord your god and serve him only notice that jesus response to the temptation of rulership getting what jesus was ultimately destined to be king of the world Jesus' response to rulership was worship. Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to take a shortcut and worship you. The Bible says, my worship belongs to God alone. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Number three, how do we fight against the idol of now? We must allow our worship to be God's alone. We must allow our worship to be God's alone. Alone. Let me uh, unpack a couple of, of Bible terms here for us. This idea of worship is, is the idea of ascribing worth to something. It's the worth-ship of something. Okay, so, so watch this. When the Bible talks of worship, what it's talking about is whatever is first place in our life is what we are worshiping. And so the Bible says there, the, the verse that Jesus is quoting, basically is this idea that the Lord, God, wants to be the Lord of our life. He wants us to worship him. God wants to be number one, have first place preeminence in our life. And see, that's when oftentimes you'll hear, you know, around church world, you'll hear people talk of, you know, make Jesus your Savior and your Lord. Well, the idea there is Savior means salvation, forgiveness of sin, and knowing that your eternal, you know, inheritance is in heaven. Okay, but Lordship is about being first place in every area of our life. And so here, when Jesus quotes the scripture, he's saying, no, 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 Satan, listen, you don't understand. My allegiance, what's first place in my life, my worship belongs to God alone worship now watch this what is an idol by bible definition an idol is anything that comes between us and god so an i if we're here god's here an idol is anything that gets between us so when we worship the idol of now it ultimately is 
any desire, any drive, anything we focus our life on that is less than is coming between us and God. See, next level, I firmly believe that Satan's trick, his strategy in our life is not to get us to become devil worshipers. It's just to keep us from being God worshipers. That's the trick. That's the strategy of the enemy. That's, and he uses the idol of now. Watch this. Any, what is the idol of now? Anything that is threatening to come between us and God. Anything that's, that's coming between God being the object of our worship, God being first place in our life, that is an idol. The idol of now. And here's what I think. I think it's possible that some of us have gotten so focused on getting something that that focus has taken the place of God. And we're no longer focused on worshiping God first, of putting him first, of honoring him first, of having his lordship over every area of our life. That, that idol of now, some, that something we want now, has drawn our eyes off of Jesus, off of, the, off of God the Father. And, and we're, now, we're now focusing on this instead of focusing on God. Instead of God being our object of worship, that idol of now, that thing we want now, has gotten in the way. And this is why we have to fight. This is why we have to war against the idol of now. And I love the result. I, lo I love the response when Jesus finally looks at the, at the devil and he says, get away from me, away from me. No, 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 my worship, my allegiance, the lordship of my life is God and God alone. Look at the result, verse 11. Then the devil left him. And the angels came and attended to him. What's the result of us fighting the idol of now? The result is that Satan loses that his power over us diminishes and that God, the God who loves us so much, when we say, God, you're first place, you're number one, you're the object of my worship, you are the one I'm focusing on, not anything in between. The Bible says he comes and he ministers to us, that he, he attends to our needs, he meets our needs. In other words, when we fight the idol of now, we position ourselves in a relationship with God in such a way, to such a degree, that He can develop us into who He needs and wants us to become to prepare us for what He wants us to be and to do in the future. Because remember, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. The process is the point. And when we war and fight against the idol of now, coming between us and God, the devil has to flee. And God will come and minister to us. So here's what I want to do. As your pastor, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for so many of us who right now, seated right where we are, listening right where we are, are thinking of that something, that someone has become the, the focus of our attention, who's, who's nudged its way in. I want to pray for us. 
I want to pray that God would give us the courage to battle against the idol of now. To submit those things up under the lordship of Christ and say, God, it's you, it's you. God, develop me. God, I don't want to, I don't want to rush. I don't want to reach my mountaintop before it's time. I want to pray for us. So if that's you, man, if you're battling that this weekend, some way, shape, or form, this is your moment. This is your time. So I'm going to ask us all across this space, all across our plantation campus, every, every service, all across our gateway campus, can we just bow our heads right now, just right where we are? And if that's you, there's, there's some idol of now that's, that you've been warring against, that you know you've got to fight against, that you've been letting dis- distract your focus and take your attention off the lordship, the worship, God and God alone deserves. I'm just going to invite you, whatever service you're, would you just slip your hand up right now? Right now, I just want to pray for you. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Just slip your hand up. God, right now, you see these hands that have been raised to you. Father, you see the specific detail of that thing that's threatening to become an idol, that's trying to get between us and you. And so, Jesus, I pray for so many of us in all of our services this weekend that are, that are battling against the idol now, who've been tempted to chase after that thing, to, to, to run up the mountain and get ahead of you in your time. And so, Lord, this weekend, by lifting up our hand, we simply are acknowledging that we are submitting to you. We're submitting to your lordship. We're submitting to your worship, that it's you, God, we're wanting our lives to worship. And, Father, we submit in that process to the process. Jesus, would you do in us, we give you permission, God, do in us what you want to do. Lord, we are your children. We are your vessel. We want to become everything that you've created us to be in the timing for which you've created us to be that. And not a second before. Jesus, some people this weekend are here and they are on the edge of making a really, really big wrong decision. Father, I pray for the husband that's about to leave his wife. Give him strength and courage to stay, that the grass is not greener on the other side. God, for the wife that's about to leave the husband, same thing. Jesus, may they stay and fight. May they dig in and resist this idol. Jesus, I pray for that, for the, for the person who is about to make a financial decision that's going to just bury them in the wrong direction because they have to have it and everybody else around me has one. God, may they wait on you. May they wait on you. Father, for the person who's warring and battling with an integrity issue, believing the lie that somehow that shortcut's going to be the the fast track to what they ultimately want or what they want to achieve, God, give them courage. So, Father, I pray for so many of us who have been distracted and tempted, like Jesus, like you were, Lord, by the idol of now. Father, give us courage to fight against it, that our worship, would be reserved for you, you alone. You, Lord, truly are first place in our life. And we acknowledge and confess that our allegiance is wholly on you. We pray these things in the name that's above every name. We pray them in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Lord and Savior. And everybody in every service who agreed, said,